Hey everybody, my name is Pej. We come on every single Tuesday, right around noontime. I always have special guests in the recovery world. We talk about anything and everything that's recovery related or lack thereof. Welcome to Pej's Recovery Corner. <laughs> All right, we're live. Welcome to Pej's Recovery Corner. We are live broadcasting straight from the lovely Irvine, California. I'm here today with Jensen Olinger. Olinger. Said it correctly. Correct. I finally got it right. Um, so today's guest, uh, Jensen, is, has an incredible love for music as well as knowledge. He's been playing drums since the age of three years old, nicknamed by his peers as the human metronome. Jensen has played in various bands over the years, such as Winter Constellation in his high school years, and more recently showed off his skills as Jensen Avery, his stage name, in the moderately successful band Frankie Doll and the Broken Toys, where he met and fell in love with his wife, Frankie. Jensen has had his music featured in recent in a recent movie called Captured, released in 2020, which can be found on Amazon Prime. Although Jensen will be modest about most of his musical prowess, he is one of the most talented drummers, drummers to walk this earth. Jensen has had, let's see here, in 2016, Jensen retired from making music publicly and started to follow his other dream of helping people. Jensen co-owns a coaching and consulting company with his wife in Orange County, California. Jensen's a certified life success coach who specializes in helping his clients combat self-sabotage and limiting beliefs while creating a roadmap for their desired future. Jensen does one-on-one -on -one coaching as well as destination coaching with his clients. So with all that said, um, who's Jensen? <laughs> I, what I really wanted to do is kind of dig deep into your past and see um, – um, who you are. Like, where did you grow up from childhood? So I grew up in Laguna Niguel okay. in Orange County. All right. So I'm born here, raised here, never left. Well, kind of left here, but not really. What Been here mean? my whole life. Where did you go? I moved to, I, well, I sort of moved to Vegas for like, I don't know, almost the better part of a year. Okay. Which was, yeah. Growing up in Orange County, um, did you go to a regular public school? Mm -hmm. What school? Uh, I went to like high school? Yes. Capo Valley High School. And how were your grades? Uh, they were awful. Awful? Yeah. C at the best. Okay, like me. Well, it depended. Like what, what was your favorite subject? So music, because uh -huh. um, obviously, like it was said, that's Musician. a big part of my life. So yeah. music, outstanding. Mm -hmm. Art, outstanding. Okay. Photography, outstanding. Right. Any electives, outstanding. Right. A's, A+. Plus. But algebra, science. Everything English. else, regular academic classes. D, F, C at best. Okay. And um, when it came to playing music, when did you first start playing music? At what age? Uh, three years old is when I, I guess, technically started. My, it's when I got my first drum set. Okay. It's got me a drum set when I was three. It was a real drum set. It wasn't it was cardboard like a, boxes or anything like no, that. No, it was like a real drum set, but just made for like, just sized for like a kid. And why did they get that for you? Were they musicians? Yeah. So my parents are both musicians. They're both, uh, they actually met in college mm -hmm. at uh, Long Beach, okay. uh, Cal State Long Beach playing music. Okay. And they're both music teachers. So growing up in those younger years, I would go to like the band mm -hmm. stuff, the marching band stuff. And I would always tap on stuff. Like I'm just constantly tapping on stuff. So my parents just. They thought, um, it, they, they thought it fit that you'd be playing. Yeah. They were just like, we'll get him a drum set and see how it goes. And okay. then you know, the rest of the system. And then. How long did it take until you were actually drumming, like uh, into your? Uh, I mean, I 
five, six years yeah, old? I mean, I never stopped. Like I just played and played. Always played. Were, and I had a drum set in my room. I didn't take actual lessons until uh, not until I was in like eighth grade and I took specific lessons on like Latin and jazz. Mm -hmm. um, but everything else was self-taught. I've always had a really good ear for hearing something and then just being able to play it. Really? Drums always came very naturally to me. I never struggled with like having to do three things at one time. Right. And, you know, uh, it just always came supernatural. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then you were a high school, like in a high school band? Yeah. How many people were in the band? Uh, five. So it was a drummer, like the bass. So like guitar. outside of school, you mean? Outside of school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, two guitar players, uh, singer, bass player, and then. Drummer. So were you in high, like a high school band too? Like at, at school, did you play? Oh in yeah. So this is kind of like a it's a, like a love hate. Well, it's like a love hate relationship. Then it was like a hate. Now it's a love. But you know, my parents sort of forced me to like take music because. Because they wanted you, know, you be. Yeah. They, they were musicians. Right. They were trying to like help me with yes. this gift that they that I you know have. So. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was in everything. I was in marching band. I was in wind ensemble. I was in concert band. I was in jazz band. Right. I was in drumline. I was in all of it okay. until junior year. And um, junior. So out when you were in the school band, mm -hmm. was your desire to like play in your own band outside of school? Oh yeah, always. And then that happened. Correct. What kind of music? Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> Uh, it was, I guess, technically you would classify it under the emo category. The what? The emo category. Oh, okay. You were emo. Um, yeah. Which I mean, when I was in high, I mean, I graduated in 03. So it was, it was, you know, that was what was cool then. I've seen pictures of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> eyeliner, like long bangs and different colored. Emo, emo was like modern day goth sort of. Right. Right. And it's now recycled. It's recycling now Into with this sort of like emo rap thing and sort of like these, Younger generation, kind of doing the same thing with a different, different style of music. But the rapping, but yeah, but doing it's the whole same like idea, right? You know, so so, it's funny to watch. So being emo, were all the members of the band emo? Obviously, everybody. I mean, yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, not everyone was emo, really, mm -hmm. but that's what you would classify the music genre that we played, right? Yeah, and um, <clears throat> who were your musical idols growing up? Um, the two biggest would probably be Travis Barker okay. from Blink-182 or previously. Excellent drummer. He was from Aquabats, actually, is where he started. Mm -hmm. like, sort of like the biggest name that he was in before that. And then uh, Mike Portnoy, who was in a band called Dream Theater. Mm. And then, so you looked up to, obviously, Travis Barker is one of the best drummers out ever, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we all know that. Mm -hmm. And um, during that time, when you were part of this group, were, was there any drug use? No. None? Not yet. Not yet. This is like junior year in high school? Yeah. This was like, this is like just as my journey into that started, mm -hmm. kind of. But there was no, yeah, at that, at that point when I joined that band, I wasn't really, I wasn't like doing, you know, anything crazy. Nothing yet. Point. I think maybe I had smoked weed. And drinking? Maybe. I don't know if I had drank at that point when I was, when I started in that band. Okay. I don't remember. The reason I ask is like obviously being in an emo band, right? Emo is short for emotional, right? Right. And so um, a lot of people get a lot of great musicians where they had a lot of stuff going on emotionally, you know, obviously like um, Kurt Cobain and things like that. There was the grunge scene and all that. Sure. So, so, but this hadn't yet happened to where you were getting into 
anything. When did you start getting into drugs? Yeah. So like the best way for me to put that is not that there wasn't a want or a need to. Yeah. It was that I was just still at the point where I hadn't done it yet because I was too scared. Okay. And that ties into my past and my parents told me about my past and growing up. And so like I had a very big fear around drugs and alcohol right. and even like sex, like everything. Like I was like just terrified and that mm -hmm. really kept me from doing anything. Right. Not that I didn't want to or that I didn't need to, mm -hmm. but so that's kind of why it didn't happen, uh, you know, sooner than later. But sorry, I forgot what your question was. Well, no. So, so you're, how old are you? Now? Right. 35. You're 35 years old. Correct. So during that time in South Orange County, yeah. I mean, I, I know that heroin has been a problem in South Orange County probably for a good amount of time. Sure. Were any of your friends doing that or were, did you, not at all? No. Did you hear about it? Did you know about it? No. It wasn't until I got sober before that was even like. A thing? A thing. Uh, I had been sober a few years and it was actually my younger brother's generation. Mm -hmm who that happened to yeah. i found out my younger brother was using heroin right and i was like what and, but, but you never did no i was like i didn't even know even at that point i was like i don't even know anyone that i wouldn't even know where to get that right or anyone who uses that right to me that was like the gnarly like that was like oh that's people on like skid bro yeah like, that's i don't know i couldn't even imagine it's we envision that as like you know, the worst of the worst yeah things, right? and now it's just like you know yeah it's the norm it's it weird, is the norm but, yeah so no i didn't I never did it. I never knew anyone who was doing it. So when did you start using? Like how, about how old? Senior year? So I started drinking somewhere like at the end of age 17, like almost 18. Okay. Um, but I didn't start using hard drugs until like a year or two after that. Okay. So that was a year, about a year after that. Probably. Like 1920. Yeah. 1920 is when I got into like. When you say hard drugs, what were you, what did you start using? Started with cocaine. And then uh, purely cocaine, living at this dude's house, playing music, and he was giving me cocaine for free mm -hmm. every day. And then we were coming down one day, didn't have anything, and then someone had meth. Right. Didn't let into the meth use, mm -hmm. and then it was just purely meth. Yeah, meth was huge during that time. That still yeah. is. Yeah. And I knew a lot of people that were doing that at that for time. For sure. Um, South Orange County was just meth. Yeah. Lots of meth. So, yeah, and that, but that's, that's about it. Mm -hmm. Those were the two main... Those were the heavy drugs. Mm -hmm. And then you got sober at how old? 22. Why'd you get sober? Um, That's pretty awesome to get sober that young. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like a plan. I just, I had reached, I had reached a point where I just was like tired of what, at the, at the time that I got sober, I had already stopped using drugs, like using drugs. Right. Uh, maybe every once in a while I would like someone have a pill and I'd take a, like, Right. But I wasn't doing that other stuff at that point. Right. So I got sobered mainly from just drinking. Um, but I just woke up one day and I was like, I, I just can't. I can't wake up another morning feeling, feeling the way I feel, not just physically, but like emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, seeing my, not my wife at the time, but girlfriend. She was my girlfriend at the time. Okay. Being like, this is it. Like, I, like, I can't do this anymore. Right. You know, it just it was a culmination of so many things that I just was like, I'm done. I don't know how this is going to pan out. Right. But like, I can't envision myself going any further. Right. You know? So when you say she was your girlfriend at the time, right. she was in a whole different band? No. So we were in a band together at this point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when I first met her, she was in, she was doing Frankie Doll and the Broken Toys. Okay. Um, 
but she was kind of doing a solo thing and that's what she hired me. There's, I mean, there's a whole like backstory to this. Right. I got hired to like play drums for her solo project. Mm -hmm. And that's how we first met when I was 19. Okay. And then, and I had a girlfriend, she had a boyfriend at the time mm -hmm. and then our paths split. And then it wasn't until later came back around after sort of all that cleared out for me and right. I cleared out for her. And then I called her, I had a dream about her and then I called her and we linked up and then started hanging out, but not like in that way, just like as friends, friends started playing in the band and then it just turned into a, a relationship. It just turned into a, yeah, I think. And um, so you joined Frankie doll and the, that was a solo project that you were actually working for, but then she brought you on as the drummer for Frankie doll and the broken right. toys. Yeah. The solo thing was just like, I, it was like, a, I don't, I don't really know whatever happened with that. Mm -hmm. I, that's just kind of what I think I was hired to do at the time. But she was still doing Frankie Doll and the Broken Toys. And she was already sober. She had been sober for oh, a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was, I think when we first got together, she was sober for, uh, for like 15 years. So you guys coming together during this second, re like where you reunited as friends mm -hmm. with, and then became a relationship, mm -hmm. you getting sober had nothing to do with her sobriety. That's not entirely true. Okay, then tell um, me. Because... I mean, I don't know that I would have gotten sober had I not had, had I not had sort of that sober influence around me. Okay. Or had I not known that like that was even a thing mm -hmm. or that that was possible right. or because it really like my, prior to getting sober or prior to meeting Frankie and meeting a lot of other people who were also sober mm -hmm. in the program. Right. I didn't know what alcoholism was right. or looked like or drug addiction or sobriety. I didn't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. Right. My definition of sobriety or my definition of drug of alcoholic was like bum under the bridge. Right. That's and what, if you weren't that, then that's you're the not typical an thing we think of an right. alcoholic. So like, you know, I just thought like, oh, I did what everyone else did because I surrounded myself with other people who partied. Right. Um, so really I think that like, you know, by her leading by example. Mm -hmm. I she was a good example. And there was obviously 100%. other people around her too. Like, you know, Wolfie, right? Yes. I think he was around during that time too, right? Uh, I, I, there, I, there was a bunch of people. I know this is when, when I first met Frankie, which was probably, when did you guys first start dating? What year was that? Oh no. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. When did you get married? 15 years ago, 14 years ago. Cause I'm sober 14 years. Yeah. So and, that was and, right about, that's right around when we got together. Uh -huh. Almost 14 years. I'm 14 in June. Yeah. When I first saw her, there was a circle of people around her that had like a substantial amount of sobriety time. Yeah. You know, so it was like, this was really cool to to see that she was doing the deal and, and Wolfie was there for sure. I remember him and also my friend Jeremy Jackson that had gotten uh -huh. sober a few years before. So there was like in South Orange County or in Orange County, there was like people that had a good amount of time sober. So yeah, you're right. She was a good influence for yeah. sure. Well, I mean, and I, also being in the band, mm -hmm. she surrounded herself with a lot of other sober musicians right. who were in some big name bands at the time. Right. So like, I, you know, I kind of like had people to look up to mm -hmm. in the sobriety field right. as like people who were in this, realm that i was existing in mm -hmm. who weren't doing the, the norm right and the typical like oh just get wasted and, and do whatever and play a show mm -hmm. um so i think there was a lot of things that she introduced me to without introducing me to it right that really led me ultimately to knowing a lot more about kind of what sobriety was so it, it was an easier path for me to and did you guys tour together 
so I've never, I never actually went on tour with that band. She, before I met her, they did like a full European tour and mm -hmm. all this other stuff. Um, right. Or actually, I think that wasn't even Frankie on the Broken Toys. That was a band that she was in prior to that. Right. Um, so no, we never, we never really did like a full tour, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask if you guys were on tour, like being out there as sober people, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you weren't on tour. Yeah. So, um, and then obviously, you know, both of you have worked in different music was put aside, right? Like you stopped playing. Do you still have drums? I do. Do you play them? I do. I have an electronic kit, like a really nice one. Uh, in my garage that I play. Nice. Yeah, but... I actually have a drum set in one of my sober livings, but I don't... Right. Somebody gave it to me. Yeah, I, I, I have would my, love to play. It's not, it's not super practical to, like, right. have set up in your house. I right. mean, I did as a kid. Luckily, my neighbors were super awesome, so right. I played in my room every single day, like, my whole life growing up. Right. But now I'm just having a nice electronic kit is great. Yeah. Control my garage. No control the sound. So I don't have my regular drum set up anymore. They've been just collecting dust. Right. When you um, when you did come into the path of recovery, uh, you know, usually we don't talk about like what what organization we're part of, but obviously, sure. um, I know in Orange County there's a very strong community of people that are sober, especially young people, and you got sober super young. Mm -hmm. This is what I love having people on the podcast that got sober at a young age because because it's inspirational mm -hmm. and it shows people truly that that pe that young people can get sober, right? I think it's. Uh, you know, obviously, growing up, like I, have, I followed a lot of trends. I, I wanted to see, like, what the latest craze was, whether it was um, clothing style, fashion, things like that, and then like drugs. Mm -hmm. Like when I got it, when I got into drugs, like I didn't think I was going to become a full blown tweaker, a heroin addict, or or right. even a cocaine user. I right. thought we're just smoking weed and have a little bit of fun. Right. But as you mentioned before, like right now, especially, not just in South Orange County, I think in every single state in our country, there are kids that are. In, in their eyes, recreationally doing heroin, which now has transferred into straight up fentanyl. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of people that, that die around us. Right. And, and like um, you and Frankie and all of the people that are in that community, because I've very much, I've loved joining the community that, that you're part of, but uh, you guys are like, you know, and in, in my eyes, people that, that people look up to really. And, and like um, over the years, I know that Frankie's done extensive work, um, to to be a coach but mm -hmm. also to be like you know an innovator like a person that that um that's a visionary that speaks uh, uh she's she's a spiritual teacher mm -hmm. straight up and like i got to know you in the last few years in being in in those circles and seeing like when i hear you speak i'm like this guy's like he's like an old soul like he seriously like you're smart like when I think when I think to myself, like both of us, we grew up in Orange County, went to high school. I was like a, a 1.8 grade grade point average, but really, like all of my talents were towards all the things I like to do. I was an artist, but like when I hear when I hear you talk, I'm like he's got a lot of wisdom. Like he knows what's up. And so, what happened that you guys started going into the direction of uh, wanting to teach, wanting to coach? Um, I mean, honestly, it was never my vision. In the beginning, yeah. It, I mean, that's not even like a thing I would have. It would not, probably never have crossed my mind. Um, but after the, the band thing sort of ended, and, I, and you know, and that just kind of ended because people were just, you know, we got older and people were getting married and living their lives, and it, we just never really hit the 
we were always so close. Right. And we never really just made it over the mountaintop. So, <laughs> you know, so it was kind of just like, all right, so that's just not the, the end all be all. Right. Um, and Frankie, I think she always, I think Frankie always knew that, that she needed to do something in that capacity. And I, I mean, it fits so perfect for her being a front man, front woman right. in a, in a band, right? right? Like she thrives on like, like an audience. Right. Right. So like, her gift, I think, is just being in front of people and being and having an audience of people to talk to and share things to. And, right. You know, so for her, that was very an easy tr transition. Right. For me, I tried a lot of different things before that. I was like, I'm going to start a clothing company. I'm going to be a personal trainer. I did that for a while. I'm going to, you know, whatever. I just was like kind of floundering for a while. Right. Trying to find your niche, like see what what, what works for you. Right. Because I just really didn't know. Um, I was spending a lot of time trying to define what it is that like I was meant to do mm -hmm. now i look at it as like i don't know i meant to do a lot of things right. i was meant to try all those things and then do this thing and maybe this isn't the end all and maybe i do something else i don't know mm -hmm. it's part of the adventure of life you know but but it's working right now it's working right now and so so she started the company right you know and then i just over time you know i mean i learned a lot from her mm -hmm. and we used to hold groups before the coaching stuff and i started i sort of started because i've been with her a long time right. I sort of started kind of co teaching not right. really but i would just speak up a lot right about concepts mm -hmm. right because i kind of i knew a lot more than a lot of the people that were coming in learning this stuff right um and then that just sort of led to me going you know what i'm gonna be a full-blown coach i think I'm but just, what were the groups yeah. some of the groups that you guys were doing um i mean we called it the the tribe of elephants you okay. know and and the whole thing behind that is that like elephants hold up their their own like they'll surround their sick mm -hmm. until they're healthy um, so it was kind of just like this idea of like a group of people that were all there to help each other right. grow. And when they get knocked down, we'll be there for, you know, like I a, love that. Yeah. So I um, am an elephant. I joined an elephant. Yeah. Yes. So I don't, it's been a lot of different things, you know, I mean, we've covered a lot of bases, everything from like law of attraction to, um, like stuff talking about like life between lives and like soul contracts. Mm. Like, I mean, we've talked about so many different things, you know, right. but that group has always just been about, Kind of elevating. Oh, that's, oh, that's kind of a. I don't know that I like that word. <laughs> that's such a like. Uh, anyways, um, you know, it's always been about just kind of like taking just sort of like the mundane day to day life and going like, what else is there? Yes. What more is there? And how can we get ourselves up and out of these sort of ruts of like, well, this is what I learned is right and wrong. This is what society tells me is right and wrong. This is what my parents taught me. This is what you know. Blah, 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 blah. So right. like, well, what do I believe? Mm -hmm. And how can I do the utmost to be everything that I can be? Right. Achieve everything I want to achieve and help other people achieve everything they want to achieve. Right. So it's always been about teaching yeah. teachers. Right. Frank used to always say, like, we're not here to teach students. We're here to teach teachers. Right. So that you have the information so you can go out and help other people that you're going to run into. And you can teach other teachers. Yeah. And not right. to like go start your own thing, but just like as a person. Help right. other people that come across your path to, to learn the stuff that you've learned, you know? So I love it. Yeah. You were mentioning that one of the things was life between lives. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So there, uh, okay. So there's a movie, a documentary. I'm trying to remember what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. I'll try to remember by the okay. end what it's called, but, um, there's a whole hypnotherapy, um, the flip side. <laughs> Thank you, Frankie. Uh, the flip side. And it's about uh, this guy who was a really prominent 
What? Yeah, he right. said it. Flip side. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's about this really prominent uh, um, hypnotherapist. Like I think it was like in the '60s or something. Mm -hmm. He was very cut and dry about. He didn't believe in like the whole woo woo stuff about like he heard about like I think live between lives and like different stuff, right? But he was there to just fix people with their ailments, right. hypnotize them, whatever. And one time, it, the story goes, he accidentally re regressed someone into a past life. Oh. And didn't know what was happening. Recorded the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Kind of just was like skeptical as to what was happening. But walked them through it. And mm -hmm. then now his work is all dedicated and has been ever since then to taking people back through past lives. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, there's sometimes multiple past lives. And then you can get sometimes. And in between those lives, our souls go to a place that is like our life between lives. Right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like a realm that is where, where our souls exist between these lives that we live. Right. Where we have soul groups. Wow. Right. With people that maybe me and you have a soul contract and we mm -hmm. come down together and live lives and mm -hmm. we make a contract sometimes just to hurt you for you to learn something. Sometimes you hurt me for me to learn something. You might be my friend in this one. You might be my father in the next one. Who knows? Wow. Right. So this is whole like idea, you know, and, and he hypnotized people and they all had the same experience. They mm -hmm. all said the same thing without any like lead into it or anything. They all experienced sort of like this light, some sort of guide mm -hmm. coming to them, whether that was an angel to them or a spirit guide or mm -hmm. whatever. And right. then it would, they would lead them through their lives. They would see their whole life before what they experienced, learn what they learned for their soul mm -hmm. and then meet with their soul groups. And just like, it's a crazy it's thing, but it's so, so, so interesting. I love it. So interesting. Awesome. Um, so when you say, obviously when Frankie presents, yeah. are you more, are you an introvert? I or do you fluctuate? Between? I fluctuate. I think it just depends on my. I just think it depends on my audience. Right. I don't know. I think it depends on where I'm at. I think. I mean, it, I think it's safe to say that like drummers typically, you know, like they thrive in the back. Yeah, they're in the. You know, like I'm in the back, and I'm like, I want people to know I'm there. Yeah. But like, but I don't talk. But I'm in my space. Yeah. Let me. Just I'm in be that back drummer here. space. I yeah. Like I've that. never been like the person who wants to be. Right. I'm not. So I don't know that I'm, I'm definitely not introverted, but I'm not the extreme opposite. Yeah. I'm not like, put me out in front. I want to go talk to everyone. You know? Yes. Yes. I'm kind of in between. Um, since you've gotten sober, you've been sober how many years now? I just took 13. 13 years. Um, what, what are some, what's like the joy of your sobriety? Like uh, what, what makes you, thrive in your sobriety what makes you happy uh i mean i feel like this is kind of the cliche answer but uh, give helping, a cliche answer helping other people helping other people like I, I it didn't used to be that it wasn't that for a long time in the beginning of your sobriety yeah. it wasn't i mean even probably to the mid of my sobriety it wasn't that why wasn't it time. that i think it wasn't that because i didn't i don't think i fully i didn't fully dive into this program 100 mm -hmm. percent Right. when I got sober. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't get all the benefits. Were you dry? Yeah, I had a lot of big chunks of time where I was very dry. And were you in like, like going into funks? Were you depressed? Yeah, so I, so I at five years of sobriety, um, I hit like a low that was lower than when I got sober, mm -hmm. low. Um, an emotional low, a spiritual low, just rock bottom in right. sobriety. To the point where I was just like, you know, F God, 
F sobriety, F anyone, this, that, whatever. You were contemplating to use again? No, I didn't get to that point. You just, did, you I, I just, just was like, life. yeah, I was just like, I'm over it. Right. And, uh, you know, and I just like broke down and I called my sponsor and, um, and this was a major like pivotal point for mm -hmm. me in my sobriety. I talked to my sponsor and for whatever reason, during whatever we talked about, because I don't really remember, at the end of it, he said, you know, this is not something that you have to do. Mm -hmm. You don't, no one has to be sober. Right. No one has to, you know, have a sponsor or work steps or do whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but you get to. Right. And for whatever reason, I probably have heard that before. Right. But for whatever reason, at that moment, I had, you know, they call it a spiritual experience where I just had a total shift in perception. Right. On what it is that I was experiencing or not experiencing. Um, and I was like, dude, you're right. Hmm. Like, I, I have an opportunity to do this that, like, most people in the world don't get to have. Right. And I look at, like, regular, peop regular people. Mm -hmm. And go like, man, I wish that you could experience what I've had to experience. Right. Because it's, oh, there I go with that word again. <laughs> it's leveled me up. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's leveled me up, like, to a place where I never thought. Usually when things level you know, up, like, they elevate. Right. I know. But, you know, it's like, God, that word. <laughs> the weird thing, I don't think I've ever used that word until today either. Right. Um, I use it all the time. I, I say elevated. <laughs> okay. I, I go between elevated and escalated. Yeah. So, I, I you know, um, so yeah, I was dry. I didn't do a lot in the beginning and it wasn't until I really dove in and looked at this as like, I get to do this and I have the opportunity to help, to be uniquely qualified to help other people mm -hmm. who go through the same thing that I have been through. And I need to show up for those people. Right. I need to be there for those people. Also because selfishly it helps me. Right. You know, so I mean, right. you know, it's a win-win. Yeah, or, or as they say, like, we think that we're helping you, but actually you're helping us. Right. And that's, I mean, it's amazing. And I and I see a lot of guys that you work with. I see a lot of people that you work with. I've sat in this very living room, with, you know, um, in some of the groups. And I've, you know, encountered, like, it's this is what always made me feel good is to see, like, other people, this, this movement of people that are elephants, let's say, or just people that come for some of the different groups that have um, – that we've had here um whenever like people talk and they share a lot of people you know i, I love what they share when it gets to you i'm like oh here we go i, I want to hear this <laughs> seriously i really yeah. i always like your input i like um because to me like i, I always thought you're an introvert you, you're mm. pretty quiet until you speak right and then when you speak I, I've, I feel like i hear god through you truly and i think to myself such a young guy, like he, he, he's got this, like he understands like what we're doing here. He, he's a part of this movement. And I, and I really love that a lot. Um, as far as coaching goes, you, you coach, what's your specialty when it comes to coaching? Um, like what is co coaching consistent? I know that earlier when we were, before we even started doing the podcast, we talked about this and you don't know how to give. Right. I just, uh, not, not that I don't know. I just always get really anxious with this question. Okay. Um, but I mean, essentially, okay. So like, you know, it's life coaching. Right. So most people's issue when they come in and they are saying, Hey, I'm having these problems in my life. Whether right. that's financially, emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. relationship, whatever it is. Right. right. Um, it all typically stems from belief systems right right so 
really that's what it is. It's like we target, you know, me because for people that don't know, me and my wife own this company together. Mm -hmm. We target belief systems. Right. Right. So, you know, um, taking people from the beginning of where like, okay, where were you victimized right. in your past? Right. And mm -hmm. Frankie wrote a book called the five V's. Right. So starting with the first V victim, um, you know, where were you victimized in your life and, and kind of taking away the like idea that victim is a bad word mm -hmm. or that it's a, you know, pe some people don't like to be called a victim. Some right. people like to be called a victim. Right. It's kind of weird right. what side of the fence they lie on, but finding where were you victimized if you were, mm -hmm. and that doesn't have to be something major. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just small stuff. Right. Right. It could be the smallest thing that somebody said to you that victimized you and changed the entire way that you viewed right. yourself, the world, something. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So where were you victimized? Okay. Where were you victimized and where are you victimizing yourself? Right. Um, or where are you victimizing uh, other people? And then villain is a second B. So mm -hmm. typically when you are the victim, you end up being, becoming your own villain. Mm -hmm. Right. If you have some really something happened in a relationship in the past, mm -hmm. right? You then become your own villain because now you withhold love or you don't pursue because you're afraid it could end badly, right? So you're, you, you are villainizing yourself by not allowing yourself to experience a new experience with a love relationship or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Just an example. Right. Where are you being a villain to other people? Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of breaking down those two things. And that's taking a look at like powerful where did belief systems come from from parents from schools from mm -hmm. institutions uh, religions whatever yeah. right so are these are your ideas or are they other people's ideas mm -hmm. um and then visceral right visceral is the third b that's getting people to connect to that visceral feeling that you get in your body right when you are at a heightened emotion um and then becoming vulnerable and open and becoming willing to talk about these things, being vulnerable with yourself, telling yourself the truth, getting really honest with yourself, mm -hmm. um, and being vulnerable to the world and having the opportunity to fail right. or succeed, right? Because that 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 option is with anything you ever do in life. That's right. right. You never know until you do it. Right. And then um, and then vested is the last V, mm -hmm. right? So it's basically taking people from victim to vested, right? Victim mentality, life happens to me. Mm -hmm vested I know that I know that I know um, who I am what I am what I want what I'm doing here um, and that I'm here co-creating mm -hmm. right with the universe with my higher power uh, this beautiful existence that that I live and so that's that's in a nutshell that's it and when you when you do these with the people that you are coaching yeah. transformations obviously happen right in front of your eyes mm -hmm. do they change yeah Sometimes and sometimes not. And sometimes people like to just hold on. It depends, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's entirely, and that's the thing. It's like even when like when I talk to clients and I tell them, like, look, this is, you know, I have information mm -hmm. that I can share with you that I can, you know, hopefully get you to see things in a different way. Right. But it's entire like you're in the driver's seat. It's up right? to you. To whatever you put into this is what you will get out of that's it. That's so right. I can only, you know say or help you through so many mm -hmm. things, you have to be the person that takes the action on this thing. So, That's right. but, but I would say most of the time, yes, there are major changes, um, you know, because typically we like to make sure that the people that we're, you know, going to be coaching are at a place where they're like, I'm ready to yes. change these things. You know? I so, understand that. I understand that. Um, so Frankie has the book, the five V's and I, I know that she's currently working on three other books. Would you, were you ever thinking of writing a book? No. <laughs> I mean, I thought about it and I was like, I I can't even like I wouldn't 
No. No? I don't know. It's not in the it's not in a it's not a plan. Okay. At this point. All right. But a lot of things were never plans that are happening now. So right. who knows in the future? But like I just can't see myself writing a book. I'm just not really I don't think I'm gifted in that way. I think you are. I, was of, I don't think you are. I know you are. I'm open to it. Yeah. But at this point, there's no plan to do it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I could see it something coming <laughs> one day. Who knows? Um, all right. Well, it was good to have you on the, on the corner. Yeah. I usually say welcome to the corner, but I'm at your corner today. True. You know? So I appreciate you coming on the show. I've, you know, sometimes when I'm thinking about what guests to have on the show, like I... I scan rooms or when I'm certain places, I'm I'm thinking like, you know, he's interesting. She's interesting. I, I thought like when I saw you a couple of months ago when we were on some Zoom mm. meeting or something like that, I thought I need to ask him to be on here because because I don't hear from him enough and I'd like to hear a little <laughs> more. And today you actually opened up a lot. So it was good yeah. to have you here. Um, and I appreciate you and I love you very much. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, just thank you for for asking me, I was super nervous to do this. Why? I just, that's just how I am. Uh, I mean, I'm still like, even when I get asked to do speaking games, anyway, yeah. I just, I get nervous. You did great. Once I'm in it, I'm okay. Yeah. Like now I'm totally okay. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, thank you for asking me. I feel, I feel blessed to, to be a part of this, so. Awesome, thank yeah. you. All right, well, with that said, thank you everybody that tuned in today. And uh, we're here every, usually every Tuesday at noon PST. And we will see you next week on Peggy's Recovery Corner. Much love, Recovery Corner, much love. Every corner, much love. Every corner.